October 24, 1998. That date was one of the happiest and yet one of the saddest days of my wife and I's life. You see, that was the day our youngest son was born. When he was born, he was folded up basically like a suitcase. His legs were crisscrossed across his chest. His feet were laid flat uh, right above his shoulders. And we saw these very concerned looks going back and forth between the doctors and the midwife and the nurses. And we began to ask questions of what's wrong. And before we knew it, they took our son and they whisked him out of the room and left us dumbfounded. We continued to ask questions and, and wondering what had happened. And no one had any answers. And after so long, I burst out of that room. I ran down to the nurse's station and I said, where is my son? And they told me that he's going to be in the NICU here as soon as they can get him and that I could wait down there for him. And I did. I went down to the NICU and waited and waited until finally they brought him in in a little incubator. And he was wrapped in a little blue blanket, and a little blue hat, just like our other kids. But I knew there was a problem. I just didn't know what it was. And after so long, a gentleman walked into the room and came up to me and he, and he said, is this your son? And I said, yes. I said, why is he in here? What's wrong? And he said, well, your son was born with spina bifida. You see, this man was a neurosurgeon. And he began to tell me what spina bifida meant. I had never heard those words before. And he said that your son would never walk. He would have to be in a wheelchair all of his life. He wouldn't use the bathroom normally. He wouldn't learn properly um, due to uh, complications from that birth defect. And he went on and on with all of these difficulties. And he said, and within 24 hours of his life, he's going to have to have two surgeries just to save it. And with that, he pretty much walked out of the room. And I was absolutely devastated. I was crying like I've never cried before. And I began praying just for strength, just to stand on my own two feet because I could barely stand up. And I also was asking for words and, and just wisdom of what do I tell my wife? Because I know that she didn't know at this point. And I began to walk down the hall and I walked into the room and I probably didn't have to say a whole lot. She could see the look on my face. But I said, here's what I was just told, honey. And I gave her that information. And I said, honey, that is the opinion of one person, one doctor. And I can't live with what he told me. This cannot be the end of the story. I said, we have got to seek other opinions because I can't live with this. And folks, I stopped telling the story in my seminar at this point. And I say, folks, I'm going to talk to you about the power of getting a second opinion and just how valuable second opinions are. So I leave the story that I had just started telling them. And then I get into my presentation, my slides or my talk with the audience, and I bring them through that whole phase. And then I come back at the end of my seminar, just before I tell them to book an appointment with me and how to do so. And I bring them back into the story. And I say, when we were faced with that news of trying to get another opinion, we kept asking over and over anybody who we could talk to at the hospital. You see, my family moved from Wisconsin to Denver, Colorado, just a year earlier. And 21 years ago, the internet wasn't the internet like it is today. So we basically had to ask anybody and everybody about who do we talk to? Who do we 
um, learn a different option or some different choices for us. And everybody that we talked to, every person kept coming back with the same doctor's name over and over. And his name was Michael Hambler. And we called him up and we talked to him and we, we sent over our son's medical records to him as quick as we could. And he told us, he said, you know, I've done a lot of these surgeries. I've seen a lot of different outcomes. You never know what, what's going to happen after uh, different surgeries. I'd be happy to operate on your son. And he gave us a glimmer of hope. And we literally, at that point, placed our son's life in his hands. When he took him for that first surgery, they had to try to operate in the size of a roughly a postage stamp, trying to connect any nerve endings and muscle and fibers and tissues and whatever they possibly could to give any kind of connectivity to our son. And they finished that surgery. They brought our son back into our room um, uh, several hours later, and they said that we're going to um, prep him for his next surgery in a couple of hours. And that next surgery was brain surgery. And that was to lessen the impacts of something called hydrocephalus. Children born with spina bifida almost always have hydrocephalus, and they need to have a surgery to install a drainage system that exchanges the fluid between the, the brain and the abdominal cavity. And so they, they took him for that second surgery. And after about an hour or so, they brought him back into our room. And they said, we didn't do that second surgery yet. His ventricles, when we looked at the scans, had closed a little bit. They're moving, they're moving somewhat. And we're going to take and, and postpone this until tomorrow. So tomorrow came. They did that uh, same procedure. They took him out, prepped him for the surgery, did some more scans. And an hour or so later, they brought him back into our room again, saying us the, the same thing. The ventricles closed a little bit more. Uh, we'll schedule this for tomorrow. Um, and this happened day after day after day, 10 days. This happened over and over. And on that 10th day, that when they brought him back in, that room was full of doctors and specialists and neurologists. You name it, they were in there. And they said, we don't have any medical explanation for this, but his ventricles have closed to normal ranges, as normal as they are for anyone else standing here in the room. He will need that surgery at some point, but it's not today. And they said within a day or so, he's probably going to be able to go home, but we'll, we'll cross our fingers and cross that bridge when we need to for that future surgery. And so a couple of days later, we took our son home. And folks, I can stand before you tonight that 21 years later, he's never had that second surgery. He's never had any trouble learning. He's never had any trouble e eating. He's never spent a day in a wheelchair his entire life. And I tell the audience of, of the sport that he plays in, where he's participating all across the country and even around the world, participating on a team uh, playing hockey, that allows him to play hockey called sled hockey. And I show a picture of my son um, facing off against Team Canada, and he's in his Team USA jersey. And I put that picture up there and I say, folks, had we not sought that second opinion, do you think our lives would be a little different today? Do you think my son's life would be a little different today? They say by the time that we work and finish working at the end of our career, that we've worked 90,000 hours. Folks, that's an awful long time to, to work and to accumulate all of the assets that you have. 
We get second opinions on our health all the time. What I'd love to do is give you a second opinion on your wealth. You've heard this phrase that says that you can't get a second opinion from the person who gave you the first. You know what that opinion is. It's where you're positioned today. And I would simply love to give you a second opinion on your wealth. And I tell them to take out their appointment sheet. And then I instruct them how to um, book an appointment with me. And I wrap up the story. You see, folks, when I take them into the story, pause, leaving them wanting more, and then I bring them back into that and close with that, I have people that are right on the edge of their seats. They're totally engaged because maybe they didn't have a son or a daughter who had the same experience as I did, but they know um, they might have had a son or a daughter that had something similar or something completely different but they understand the power of getting a second opinion. And that's exactly what we're doing in our business is asking these people to allow us to give them a second opinion. If this story makes sense to you and you'd like to uh, possibly reshape your story, again, as I said, I'd be honored to do so. Thank you so much for your time.